Turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. I struggle this morning with this message because my concern is, God, I have not processed this truth enough in me to express it with clarity to these dear people. And so I hope you will pray that, that the message will be understood because without the understanding we don't understand the application that we're to draw from the word of God and we're always to be drawing application from the word of God now if I were to ask you to tell me what a gentleman is I would say most of you would say well a gentleman is a a man who is mannerly a man who is respectful a man who shows courtesy is that the general idea of what a gentleman is? Because that's what I think of. And so if I tell you about a gentleman's club, is that what comes to your mind? No, why? Because it's not mannerly, it is not respectful, and it is not courteous. And so understanding context means a lot. And taking the Word of God in the context with what it is saying is crucial for our understanding. Because if you don't understand the word in context, it's just like gentleman or gentleman's club. And we totally miss the connection. But in Genesis chapter 25, you have to understand this word in context. Look what it says in verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethel, the Syrian of Paradadam. I don't want to even try to pronounce that one again. The sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. Isaac entreated. Isaac prayed. Isaac brought his wife before the throne of God. Because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and God answered Isaac's prayer. God heard the request of this man of faith. God heard this request of this man of God, and God answered Isaac's prayer. You see, Isaac was the son of promise. He was the one that God had told Abraham, through your seed, there will be numberless, numberless seeds. There will be numberless people coming, and you are the son of promise. Therefore, Isaac knew his wife was barren. It wasn't going to stop with him. He knew there was going to be more, and he prayed in faith because he knew the word of God and when you can pray in faith based on the word of God you know what it means to pray and the Lord entreated was entreated of him and Rebecca his wife conceived why because her husband knew how to pray ladies you are blessed if you have a praying husband. I did not say a perfect husband. They don't exist. I said a praying husband. And look what it says. And the children struggled within her. As a result of the answer to prayer. She had a struggle inside herself. Have you ever had a struggle 
within. Have you ever had a situation on the inside that caused you pain, that caused you discomfort, that caused you stress? Have you ever been in a situation in life where, where, where everything on the outside, God has answered prayer? But man, on the inside, I'm struggling. Look what it says. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to pray to the Lord. If this is a good thing that God has done, why am I struggling so much? Can you relate to that phrase a little better? If what has happened to me is from the hand of God, if what has happened to me, God has allowed into my life, why am I hurting so bad? And she prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the other people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. That's a word from God. She, she heard God speak. The elder is supposed to be the one who is, becomes the priest of the family. The elder is the one who should get the double portion, should get the blessing of the father. The elder. But, but she heard God say, the elder will serve the younger. The secondborn will be greater than the firstborn. The secondborn shall rule over that firstborn. The spiritual man will have a greater capacity than that physical man. You got that? Because you better, you got to get the context. Because if you miss the context, you miss it. Now look. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, Behold, there were twins in her womb. This is the first time in the Bible we find the word twins. This is the first time we find a person bigger than the normal pregnant person. Right? Because when you're carrying two of them, man, you're doing your best to waddle. And she looks at the other pregnant ladies and she said, God, if this is a good thing that you've done to me, why am I not like the rest of these women? Because she had two. And the first came out red. All over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. Now wouldn't that be a little scary? <laughs> and after that came his brother out. And his hand took hold of Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare him. Remember verse 23. And the elder shall serve the younger and the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter a man of the field and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison but Rebekah loved Jacob 
Isaac is 40 years old. His mother, Sarah, has passed away. He's 40 years old. His heart is broken because his mother has passed on. And it was at that time, at that stage, at that season of his life, God brought into his life his mate, his wife. And her name was Rebecca. And when Isaac and Rebecca met, they came together in a harmony. They came together in a cohesiveness. And there was a oneness that flowed out of their union together because they were in love. Because God used Rebecca to fill that void that was created by the loss of his mother, Sarah. And you remember how they tested to see if Rebecca was going to be the one? What did she do? She watered the camels. For hours she carried water. For hours she labored. And she didn't even know it was a test. But she showed herself to be the one that God had chosen for Isaac. And here was a woman that was so much like his mother. She was a gracious woman. She was a, a woman of gratitude. But she was also a barren woman. Just like his mother had been prior to the conception of himself. That child of promise. And therefore his mother was, his wife was similar to his mother. Because many times in life, men, we grow up. And our understanding of a woman of the feminine side is from our mother. And we are attracted to the qualities that our mother had and the woman that we choose to marry now i'm not saying you picked your mama because she's your wife but he married a woman that had some of the traits that his mother had and when they came together they could have no kids and she was barren Isaac goes to the father on behalf of his wife. Ben, do you pray for your wives every day? I've got 30 to 40 things I pray specifically for my wife every day. Biblical. I lift her to the throne of grace. And I pray. You see, as a man, you are to be the leader in the home. And you can lead out in this spiritual capacity by praying for your wife. By engaging the throne of God on her behalf. And, and so that's what Isaac did. And Isaac was the one who he knew the promise. He knew he was part of the promise. He knew it wasn't all about the present. It was about the future. He knew what God had told his daddy in that covenant relationship. Because he had a covenant relationship with God also. And he was praying. And as he prayed, my friends, God answered prayer. And she conceived a child, she thought. And, but it was too that's what caused the problem, the struggle. 
You see, so many times we get this idea that when I live life to the glory of God, when I live in the will of God, when I live where God wants me to live, and I, and I do what God wants me to do, and my heart is sold out to Christ, I'm just going to have a problem-free existence. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible shows us that when you live in the will of God, you live in the plan of God, you live doing what God wants you to do, you will have struggles on the inside of your life. You will have issues that come up in your life. And what I have learned as I have served Jesus some 50 years in my life, I have realized it's not that outward stuff. It's not the external stuff that causes me the most difficulty and pain. And even though there are challenges and even though there are walled cities and even though there are giants outside, what has me having problems and pain is what goes on inside myself. It's what goes on inside my spirit. What goes on inside my soul. Because you see, it's that internal stuff that I'm going to bed with and I'm blessed but I'm worried. I'm blessed but I'm struggling. I'm blessed but something inside of me just isn't right. Is that how it is with you? Because if it didn't touch you internally inside yourself, you can really just kind of pass it by and you keep on going through life, living life as you think you are to live life. And so here it was. Here was Rebecca. She is pregnant now and there's a struggle going on inside of her. Now here's the shift. You've got to understand. No longer is her husband praying for her as such. Now she starts praying to God herself. There comes a point in your life as a woman of faith as a child of God, as a man, as a boy, as a girl, where you can't live off of somebody else's prayer. You've got to learn what it means to pray by yourself. You've got to learn what it means to say your own prayers. You've got to learn what it means to get on your knees before God for yourself. That's what she did. Her husband's been praying for her. God answers the prayer He is praying because it's a scripture-based prayer. And now she starts entreating God. She starts praying her own prayers. Now, what do you think her prayer sounded like? Lord Jesus, you're so sweet. I so love you. No, I think she had guttural praying. You know what guttural praying is? Guttural praying is not what you do in a crowd of people because, see, if you guttural pray inside a group of people, people are going to look at you like there's something wrong with you. Guttural praying is what you do when you close the closet door and you go by yourself inside that room and you disconnect yourself from life as it is and you get alone with the Father and you get on your face and you start saying, God, I don't know how to handle this any longer. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Father, I'm faithful in my stewardship to you. Father, I'm being obedient to you is all I know. But God, I don't understand how I can just handle this one thing after another. God, I don't know how to raise these kids. God, they're driving me crazy. God, you gave me this job, but why is it driving me driving me nuts? God, I don't understand. God, I need you. And you get before God, and all you do is you weep, and all you do is you groan, and then all you do is you just lay there on your face because you don't know what to say. You've got this guttural. We call it in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the, in the, book, in the book of Habakkuk, in the book of Psalms, it's only used twice. It is called a Shigianoth prayer. It is that battle scarred praying where you get before the Father and you've been beat up and you've been bruised and you've been knocked down but you still keep getting up. You don't know what else to do but you get up and you start going back to the Father and you're praising Him because He's your God. You're thanking Him because of what He's done for you. But you've got this hurt going on inside you but you know He's in control. You know He's on the throne. You know He's still sovereign but you start saying, oh God, I don't know what to do anymore. See, that's guttural praying. 
And you do that in your closet because you don't do it with somebody else because you don't going to look dignified. Have you ever heard those dignified prayers? Man, they impress us, don't they? I don't think they get to heaven, but man, they impress me. Man, they say everything correctly. They use such proper English. They know when to pause. They know when to stop. They don't say words that are not really slang. And you don't say, God, I'm dying up here. And so here's what Rebecca is doing. She is learning to pray. You see, that's what some of you are doing you're saying, God, you gave me this new job. But Lord, you've blessed me, but why is it driving me crazy? God, you put these new people in my life, and, and, and Lord, I'm, I'm trying to witness to you, but Lord, they just keep mocking me. They just keep, they just keep ignoring me. God, God, why is it you, you call me to preach, but there's no doors opening for me to preach? Why is it you've given me this ministry, but, but Lord, it looks like it's in decline? God, I don't understand. Why is it you save me, but I've got these old impulses in my flesh that keep rising up? Why is it I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and I know what it is to walk in the Spirit of God, but why is it I still have these things and urges that I'm leaning back to? Why, God? See, you get honest with God. When you start praying. And see, that's what Rebecca says. She said, Lord, why is this so hard if you're the one that blessed me? Have you ever been there? Why is this job? Why is this situation? Why is this relationship so hard? But and you bless me. Why is it not working out for me like it did for Sarah? You ever do that? Have you ever said, well, Lord, why are you blessing that family and you're not blessing my family like you're blessing that family? Have you ever gone down that road of comparing yourself? Why isn't my husband as nice as that husband is? That's a dead-end road. And why isn't my wife as nice? Mm. Why aren't my kids as good? Why is it my church as good as that church? And that's why Paul told us, don't compare yourself because it's the wrong measuring stick. Because what God has promised for you is not what God has promised for me. And the ministry that God has placed in you is not the ministry God has placed in me. And we think, it's, we think everybody gets the trophy, right? We're back at T-ball. That ain't life. And I know ain't's not a right word, but see, that's not that. Hear me. And so you stop and you say, God, I wanted a baby. I wanted a child. Why couldn't you have just done something normal like you did with Sarah? Okay, how old was Sarah? We calling that normal now? All right. Why couldn't you just give me a, 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 a baby where I'm not as big as two barns? We go down to the watering well and, and I'm waddling down there and I can't even see my feet, Lord. All these other ladies can see their sandals. Lord, they got to help me down. They got to help me up. Lord, I'm so big. They got something jumping over here and something jumps over there. I don't understand it, God. Can you bless me? God 
opened her womb and he poured into her his promise and when God opens your womb men and women he can pour into you and what he is wanting to do is he is wanting to birth out of your life what his kingdom is about he wants to birth out of you his kingdom come his will be done and so here she is she has two nations she has two babies inside of her and the elder will serve the younger and what God is doing with some of you in this room right now he has birthed in you creativity he has birthed in you faith he has birthed in you spirituality of scripture And when God births something, when God opens a womb, He does it in a large way. Do you remember when He opened the Red Sea? They did not get single file and walk through on dry ground. He opened up the Red Sea where they could walk through shoulder to shoulder all the way across in groups just coming through that Red Sea. Why? Because God opened it up. And when God begins to open up and God begins to birth in you, He does it in a way way beyond what we can comprehend. And He opened her womb and He said, I have birthed in you two nations. And she's saying, God, if this is so good, it still hurts. Yeah. That's what you've got to get. That's what you've got to understand. It's not going to be easy. But it's always going to be right. And when you're saying, God, I just want a simple blessing, then quit thinking about yourself because God blesses you For kingdom purpose, not for comfort zone. He blesses you for His glory. And so so Rebecca's saying, God, I just don't understand. And God begins to show her because she has two. And He says, the elder who is supposed to be the leader will serve the younger. Now, these twins he is having, they are, is it fraternal, the right word, where they're different? They're in two separate embryonic sacs. Did I say that word correctly? They have different facial features. They're not identical. Two are inside of you. Have you ever wondered about your life when you were born? Nope, because we don't remember that. But when you and I were born into this world, we were born. And what did we do? We cried. Why did we cry? We want someone to do for us what we don't want to do for ourselves or can't do for ourselves. And so we grow up realizing when I cry, they will feed me. When I do this, they will change me. But if I can continue to cry and whine, I can continue to cater to my flesh. Do you know what happened when you got born again? A new man 
was birthed inside of you. You see, Esau, he was a flesh eater. Now, we all understand we like meat, and that's why you thank God that you have teeth every day, remember? Because you only get tomorrow what you thanked him for today. He was a carnal man. And a carnal man is a dangerous man. Jacob, he was not that style. He had issues, but Jacob had a more gentle spirit, and Jacob knew how at least to respond to the Word of God that he had been given. And you see, the whole key to life is you learning how to respond to the Word of God that God sets before you. That's why I pray we understand the context of what a verse is, because when we understand the context, we understand how it makes application in my life. And so here was Jacob. He was a man who, who had to understand a little bit about, I've got to respond. And so, so the younger was going to be greater than the older, and the elder was going to serve the younger. And see, what the, what the context is, you've got to get your life in order. Order. Do you believe God has a divine order? Ladies? That's pretty weak. Does he? Is it fun? Not always. God has an order. That's why when I was born again, the old man who has been here even longer had to take a submissive role to the new man in Christ Jesus. Because you see, if the old man is not being submissive to the new in Christ Jesus, I'm a carnal person. I'm a carnal woman. Oh, I can go to church and I can read my Bible and I can sing my songs and I can say my prayers, but I am carnal. Because you see, you've got to understand the order that God has established and you have to understand the spirit of submissiveness unto the word and to the will and to the way of God. And God said, the elder will serve the younger. And aren't you glad as a child of God that he said, when you were born again, that old man, he's not going to die. He's going to be with you till you die but he can be brought under submission to the very person of Christ Jesus as you yield day in day out it's always about the context it's about the order I mean if you're honest you would admit there's really two of you right and right now we're looking at the one that really looks good I know that's a struggle. But then there's that one of us that we can just flip out in traffic. We can just flip out when the cats don't prevail. But they're prevailing, right, brother? They're prevailing. Next week they're going to prevail. Heard it here first. We can flip out when, who moved my screwdriver? 
See, so when our, our kids grew up, I couldn't blame my, my kids anymore with my tools. I, and I can't blame her because she don't even know where they are. So anyway, she had a tool bag before tool bags were popular, you know. That she had a brown paper sack. All right. Now it becomes in vogue. We got a tool bag, you know, not a box. Listen to me, listen to me, listen. You have to understand There's two of you. And if the other one showed up for church today, what would it be like if everybody's other one showed up for church? Would there be order? No. No. And so what God is trying to say is, I'm a God of order. And this old guy that's still with you every day, you've got to put on the new man Christ Jesus. And every day, you've got to submit yourself to the will, the way, the word of God. See, see, this is not an Old Testament concept entirely. If you look at your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 7, here's what it says. For I know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Boy, isn't that a tongue twister? That's the old man. It's in Romans chapter 7. And it comes down and it says, Is there any hope? Well, thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's our hope. It's in Him and only in Him. This is why I'm like this, because this old man, that's why Nicodemus, he didn't understand when Jesus said, you must be born again. He understood the first birth. He understood being birthed by water. He didn't understand the new birth in Christ Jesus, because when you come into Christ Jesus and He saves you and He borns you anew, and that new man, and those things that once just attracted us and we had no restraint now our spirit gets quickened because we know that's not the way that we can go i mean how many of you are before you got saved nothing bothered you but once you got saved the things i once liked i cannot even enjoy anymore because now it why because i've got a new man i got the holy ghost of god inside my life who disturbs my soul and if you can live in this world and live in sin and not be disturbed by the spirit of god you're not born again You've got religion, you've got a church preference, you may have been baptized in every creek, holler, and baptistry around, but you've never met Jesus because when he comes into your life, he does a work of grace in your life and he changes your life. It's all about the order. The first Esau came out, Jacob was hanging on to him, but the word of God said the elder would serve the younger. It's all about a transition from struggle to submission. You see it? And she goes to God saying, God, I don't understand. And then she has twins. And she hears in her mind echoing, the elder will serve the younger. 
she begins to understand a little bit more how do you get to that place of submission through trials through pain through challenges through difficulties through inconveniences and we finally come to the place where we say Lord not my will be done but your will be done and if this is the path that you have chosen for me to walk Lord I will walk this path as your child but understand when you've got a struggle going on inside of you and you're a child of God and God has been birthing something in your life, you don't even understand it completely now. You have to understand at some point in life there's going to be a surrender to the will of God and God can take your mess and he can make a miracle out of it. And God can raise up in you what you never even dreamed of. But it's not about present comfort zone it's about kingdom because whatever it is God is trying to birth in you it's not about just the moment it's about eternity Father God we come before you this morning and Lord I don't know if I made sense but God Somebody in this room, you're birthing something in them for your glory. And they don't even understand it. And Father, there's a struggle going on inside them. And Father, I pray that you just enable them, Lord, to pray through as they seek you like Rebecca did. Speak into their spirit right now, God, your truth, your word. Enable them, Father, to understand I have to let go and I have to trust you. And even if it hurts, I'm going to still trust you. Because it's through these difficulties and things in life, God, you are shaping me and you are remaking me and you are molding me. And God, I pray the carnal man, God, does not exceed the spiritual. So as God working in your heart is he 